Ruth chapter 4. You've been sitting for a while. Uh, so if you're willing and able, would you please stand out of respect to the word of the Lord tonight? We'll just uh, begin reading in verse 13. The Bible says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, and hath borne him. Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom, and became a nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Father, I pray tonight in Jesus' name you'd help me. Lord, I ask that you would touch me, Lord, in a special way. The truths, Lord, in which I speak tonight about are heavenly things. And Lord, I cannot do it, Lord, without the touch of heaven. And I pray, God, you grant it to me tonight. And Lord, I pray for the power of God to be evident, Lord, in the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, I do not care to stand and preach without you tonight. Lord, I'd rather let one of these other men stand and preach, Lord, than to stand and to preach without the power and the touch of God. Lord, I pray tonight you'd touch me again and help me. Lord, give me what I need. Lord, you know how, how desperately I need you tonight. And I pray, God, you'd help me now. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the Word of God and how precious it is. And I pray it'd be fresh to us tonight that we'd all have our hearts and minds stirred. Lord, as we hear of the end of this great story, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. It's been some time since we were here in this chapter. But I said it before, what we have in chapter number four is the conclusion, if you would, of this story. The completion, if you would, of the redemption of Ruth the Moabitess. And uh, as we've said, and as we'll say again tonight, this book is full of many beautiful pictures of the grace of God. Uh, it, it's a book that uh, shows us and illustrates to us that uh, God is able to take a nobody and to bring them out of poverty and out of bondage and out of idolatry and redeem them and make them complete. And, uh, and so, as we said, the wedding bells are ringing in chapter number four. We've read and studied in the previous chapters, I believe, that in chapter number one uh, is where her redemption began. Uh, when Ruth made that famous statement and she says, where thou goest, I'll go, and where thou lodgest, I'll lodge, and thy people will be my people, and thy God will be my God. You know what she was saying? That was faith right there. Uh, she was saying, I'm tired of these Moabite gods. I'm tired of this Moabite life, and I'm going to put Everything I've got in the God of the in the God of Israel, and that's where it began. Uh, that's where it started. Uh, that's where it commenced. But we read in chapter two and chapter three how it was worked out, how it was performed, if you would. Uh, and then in chapter four uh, we see how it's completed. I want you to know tonight that our redemption is not complete yet. 
Now it's as good as done, but it ain't done yet. Romans 8, 23, it says that even uh, we ourselves groan uh, within ourselves waiting for the adoption to the wit, the redemption of our body. 1 Corinthians 6 says you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which are his. Brother Aaron, this body belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this body is still under the curse. But thank God there's coming a day where the curse will be lifted. Amen. And thank God this corruptible will put on incorruption and this mortal will put on immortality and on that day my redemption will be complete. Ephesians 1.14 says, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Oh, listen today. Ephesians 4.30 says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. In Ruth chapter 4, it was Ruth's day of redemption. Oh, I'm glad there's coming a day where there's going to be another wedding. Amen. And it's not going to be on earth, but it's going to be in heaven. Brother Aaron, on that day, the wedding bells of glory are going to ring. I believe that. Uh, Oh, we used to sing that song. Can you hear the bells are ringing? Uh, Can you hear the angels singing? Oh, listen tonight. Uh, There's going to come a day uh, where we're going to be reunited uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to walk down the aisle of heaven. Amen. The Bible says a white glorious bride without spot, without blemish. Listen and all the angels of glory are going to step to the side and watch us embrace our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and while the ages roll we'll bless his name and thank him for saving sinners like us. But thank God we're not there yet. We're still living here, but the wedding bells will ring one day. And we said that in this chapter, we see that there was an appointed place. In verse 1, it says, then went up Boaz to the gate. Amen. We said that gate was a place for the transacting of business deals. That gate was a place for the transpiring of judgment. Uh, That gate in the city was a place of treasured entrance. That's where men and women got in the walls. And so this gate where Boaz met the elders of the town, in my mind, is a picture of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. One man said it like this. He said the cross is the very center of true Christianity. It's where the wrath of God toward sinners was satisfied. And it's where sinners are fully reconciled unto God. There's an appointed place of our redemption. If you were to come to me and say, take me to the place, take me to where you are redeemed, I wouldn't go down to the Catholic church. I wouldn't go to the river where I was baptized. But I'd take you to a little hill outside Jerusalem called Calvary. And right there is where God sinned. God judged sin. Where God dealt with sin and where he reconciled me to him and his son. Oh, I thank God for a place. There's an appointed place of redemption. We said in verses 1 down through verse 2 there was an apparent problem. This nearer kinsman. 
there was somebody else that was closer to her than Boaz. That nearer kinsman is a type of the first Adam as a type of the law. And oh, listen, this evening, you see, that was a problem for us. Amen. The law is a big problem for the sinner. You want to know why? Because no matter how hard you try, you can't keep the law. And the Bible says if you offend in one matter, you've offended in all. And so this nearer kinsman stood between Boaz and stood between Ruth. This law was what was keeping them from being together. And you know what kept us from Christ? It was the broken commandments of the word of God. And not only that, it was our old sinful nature. That first Adam, when he sinned, Romans 5, 12, that's when he sinned, we all sinned. When he died in the garden, when the soul of Adam died, we all died. And there was a problem and a bad problem. Oh, I'm thankful Jesus took care of the problem, aren't you? He took care of the problem with Naomi Ruth as well. I said there was an appropriate process here. I want you to stay with me. I'm going to get to the end, I promise. The process was this. There were certain steps that Boaz had to take according to the law of Moses in order to redeem Ruth. Now follow me. In chapter 2 and verse 1, it says Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. We all know, we all know if you got enough money, you can pretty much get whatever you want done. Now there's nobody, now we know that Boaz had a house full of servants and a house full of laborers. Brother Aaron, if Boaz had wanted to, he could have gone around the law. He could have gone above the law. He could have gone without the law and forced this and told the nearer kinsman, get lost. What are you going to do about it? And could have took Ruth to be his wife and could have gone around all this. He could have bypassed the law. He could have bypassed following this Old Testament uh, 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 process. Uh, But Boaz went out there at the gate and he sat down with the elders and with the nearer kinsman and he followed the appropriate steps to secure the redemption of Ruth. He took no shortcuts. He didn't go around the law, but he did exactly what the law demanded that he did. Listen to me tonight. When Jesus came to this earth, he fulfilled the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill it. Listen, if Jesus had so chose, he could have called 10,000 angels on Golgotha, and they would have wiped this earth flat and clean, and it would have all been done. But why didn't he do that? He was going the right way and doing it the right way, fulfilling the law that God had him to fulfill. We like to take shortcuts. I don't know about you, but I do. I mean, listen, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, why? You don't understand? I mean, listen, I'm I'm out getting it done, but getting it done quick. Isn't that right, Dylan? (laughs) Dylan's figuring it out. I mean, he's about got it down. How are we going to get it done? How are we going to get it done quick? You know that John Deere commercial? It's not how fast you mow, it's how good you can mow fast. I mean, that's what we're, that's the thrust of, that's the, 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 the uh, whatever, the theme of our, our company, mine and Dylan. Well, anyhow. <laughs> but Jesus didn't go the short way. He didn't go the easy way. 
Oh, listen, you won't lie. He took upon himself the form of a servant because Brother David, in order for him to become sin for us, in order for him to be judged for sin, sin, sin by the law had to be judged. Somebody, somebody had to pay. Somebody had to die, Brother Aaron. Somebody had to pay the call. Somebody had to suffer. Somebody, because the law demanded that sin be dealt with. And so Jesus became a man not to live, but to die. And all he lived 33 and a half long, lonely years on this earth. Why? Because he was following the steps. He was following the steps. And then he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Never that's not my will but thine be done and then they came and laid hold on him as if he were a common criminal and drug him to Pilate's hall and falsely accused him in a kangaroo court, sentenced him to the cross laid a rocket cross on his back nailed him to the cross and watched him bleed and die, why? because he was doing it the right way oh you can, you can rest assured tonight, if you're saved there's not one flaw in the redemption of Jesus Christ I was studying this and they said brother David that if a man did not go about this the Bible way and brother Ty he tried to cut a corner somewhere brother Aaron maybe he didn't do exactly like the Bible if he did that and down the road listen down the road it was brought to light that he had skipped. He had cut a corner. That he hadn't done what he was supposed to do. They said that they could bring him and this person before the court, the elders, and they could overturn their redemption. They could take that woman and pluck her out of his hands and say, she's not yours. You didn't do it the right way. You didn't follow the way the Bible commanded to be done. And their redemption. Can you imagine a woman that's been redeemed from poverty and bondage and shame and enjoyed the blessings of being married and having her needs met and provided and protected. And all of a sudden they grab her by the hand and say, you're not going to live in that house anymore. You're not going to have his name anymore. It's all been overturned. It's all been undone. But thank God. Oh, thank God. That'll never happen to you and I that are saved. This and the final verdict's been handed out. And the verdict says, paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. And we never have to worry. Is anybody going to be able to challenge our redemption? Because Jesus paid it all. He did it the right way. And thank God it was perfect redemption. Verse 4 through 8, there's an approved price. I'm not going to read it, but you can in your own time. Redemption always involved a price being paid. In Leviticus, you can write this down if you keep the notes. Chapter 25, it talks about this kinsman redeemer and redemption, Brother Aaron. There were three things a person could be redeemed from. In Leviticus 25 and verse 47 through 50, a man could be redeemed from bondage. Listen, if a man become poor and sold himself to pay his debt and became a slave to another man, a near kinsman could come and buy him back. Amen. Oh, 
this and Adam, he sold us into sin. Oh, when Adam sinned in the garden, he betrayed all of mankind. We become the servants of sin, the slaves of sin. But thank God, Jesus, the second Adam, that last Adam came and he bought us back from bondage. Can you imagine if you got in such debt and such poverty and brother, brother, uh, 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 brother Larry, they were coming and say, look, we're going to lock you up. Uh, we're going to take your house, your family, if you don't pay this debt. And you said, I'm going to sell myself. I'll become a slave to pay this debt off. And they said, fine. They'd probably pay a handsome price for a wise man like you, brother Larry strong and able but anyhow with a bad finger though he told us about that in prayer man but anyhow that might knock a little off the price but let's say brother Larry had to sell himself and he become a slave and there he is he's lost he's in slavery and bondage and every day he doesn't do what he wants to do he does what somebody else tells him to do every day he has to get up and toil and labor and it's all because of that debt that debt that did not get paid but one day his brother comes and he says oh Ronnie he says hey I've got the money Larry I've done paid the price hey, you, Ronnie probably said keep him another 10 years but anyhow don't tell him I said that hey, anyway he says I'm going to pay Larry I'm going to pay to let you go and Ronnie went up to that man and laid down the money and walked out with the keys and chucked the shackles off and said you could go free I'd say you'd hug him you'd love him you'd thank him you'd say oh you're the best brother I ever had oh I can't believe you've done this for me but you know what Jesus done exactly that for you and I we were sold in sin slaves to sin and brother 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 David I've got forgetting everybody's name but listen Jesus on Calvary he stepped up to the auction block and he paid the price and listen we ought to love him and ought to thank him for setting us free in Leviticus 25 verse 25, you see, a man could be redeemed from poverty. A man become poor and he sold his house and his land to pay a debt. A near kinsman could come and buy that property back. Thank God that's what Jesus did. Not only that, but in Deuteronomy, I might be wrong about that. I got Deuteronomy 25, 5 and 6, but I would say it's Leviticus. Close enough. Uh, you could redeem for the dead. When a man is poor and had no sons to keep his name, and he died without leaving someone for his name, the Redeemer must buy his inheritance and do the part of a brother and raise up a name unto him. No, Christ bought us from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Oh, thank God. He come by the graveyard of sin. As the kids spoke tonight, that good shepherd, he called our name and breathed on us and gave us new life. We've been redeemed from bondage. We've been redeemed from poverty. But oh, thank God, we've been redeemed from sin and death. He's brought us back from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But thank God, we've been born from above, quickened by the Spirit. And made alive in Christ, regenerated, and praise God, we ought to thank Him for it tonight. Verse nine and ten. There's an appealing proclamation. I'm just going to get over, get through this. The Bible says, and Boaz said unto the elders. Now this is after it's done. He had something he wanted to say. You're witnesses this day 
And I thought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chalion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife? And he said in the last part, ye are witnesses this day. Boaz said, <clears throat> I got something I want to announce. I want to make this public. She's my bride. You're all witnesses today. In fact, he had the shoe of that near kinsman in his hand. That was a sign that that near kinsman had forfeited his right to redeem. And when he held that shoe in his hand, it was a testimony that he had done redeemed her. He had bought her, and not only her, but her everything that pertained unto Naomi and Malon and Chilion and Elimelech. He had paid for it all, and he held the shoe in his hand. He said, I want everybody to know that she is mine and I'm her. You know what's going to happen one day? Oh, when the clouds roll back and Jesus Jesus comes for his pride and calls us home. He's going to walk us down the streets of heaven and say, this is my bride. I paid for her. I bought her. She's mine and I'm hers. He's not going to be ashamed of us. Hebrews 2, verse 10 said he's not ashamed. Had to be called our brother. And oh, I'd be ashamed to be called my brother. But thank God he's not. Hey, pretend this is a shoe. I know that's not much of a shoe. Or David, I think he went down to Naomi's house. And they opened the door. He said, Ruth, it's done. You're not going to live here no more. And Naomi, you ain't either because I redeemed you too. You can come with us. Amen. And maybe he was hiding it like you know how you do with that ring. Me and Kim, when I proposed to Kim, I tried like five times and I kept getting nervous and all and breaking nervous. And I paid for about three different horse and carriage rides before I ever got my nerve up enough. And that ring, brother, 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 brother Dave, that ring felt like a football in my pocket. It just kept getting bigger and bigger. And finally I did. But maybe he was hiding that shoe behind his back and he said, Ruth, uh, you're mine now. She said, Are you serious? Are you really? Are you, are you sure? Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Well, how do I know you're not? How do I know it's true? He said, "Well, I got something to prove it," and he had it in his hand. Amen. You know what? One day we're going to look at those hands. Yeah. The proof's going to be in his hands. He's going to be able to show his hands. You know what I believe when the devil comes before the throne of God and he does it day and night. He does it day and night and accuses us day and night and charges us day and night and listen and rails on us and, and runs us down and brings up everything we've ever done. Accuses us day and night, night and day. I don't think Jesus says a word. I think he just does that. Oh, look at my hands. There's the proof of my redemption. Somebody said, why do the wounds have to stay in his hand? I believe, Brother Jason, and so all eternity will be reminded that he paid the price for us. He will be reminded that he was willing to lay it all down so we could be there. Amen. Verse 11 and 12, there's applied praise. In verse 11, these women go to bragging. It says, and all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, we are witnesses the Lord. Make the woman that has come unto thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. 
They didn't realize all they were saying. They were prophesying here. There's a famous one from Bethlehem. It's not Boaz, though. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, all this right here has got a part. This is that messianic line being preserved through divine providence. They said, verse 12, Let thy house be on the house of Pharaoh's, whom Tamar bare unto Judah of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. You see, there was power in Ephratah. He said, Do thou worthy in Ephratah. Ephratah was the means power. No, Jesus has all power. Amen. All power. He's got power tonight to solve your problems. He's got power to save our children. He's got power to help us in this church to go on and go forward. He's got power tonight. He says there and then in verse number 11, be famous in Bethlehem. Oh, we know what Bethlehem means. It means the house of bread. And listen, though, they did not realize, they did not realize the bread of life was going to come through their sea because of this redemption. Verse 13, there was an apportioned prize. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in unto her. The Lord gave her conception. She bare a son. Now, I'm just going to give you this. We're done. Boaz didn't simply, Boaz didn't simply just marry Ruth and take her to him. She became a joint heir with him with everything he had. Does that sound familiar? The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Brother David, he could have saved me and not done any of that. Did you know God, Jesus, could have saved you and not adopted you? He could have saved you. He could have saved you and not made you a joint heir. That's all the blessings of salvation. And so now he says, honey, I'm not just going to let you live in my house. I'm going to make you join air with me. Everything that's mine is yours. When you walk out that field you used to work in, it's your field now. Them servants you used to work behind, beside, they're yours now. Every, 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 every piece of dirt from one corner post to the other and everything in between, every stalk of barley, every grain of wheat, every cow, every bit of it, this house, this bed, this furniture, my money, my love, my affection, everything I have, I give it to you. And oh, God has been good to us tonight. He did not simply give us eternal life, but he has blessed us, Ephesians 1, 3, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ruth went from having nothing to having everything. The land that was purchased in verse 9, you can look at that, verse number 13, we see the love that was precious. He took her. He took her. Ruth could doubt many things, but she could not doubt the love of Boaz. There was a love that was precious. There was a lad that was produced, Obed. You know what Obed, Obed means? It's got two meanings, worship and labor. Worship and labor. You know what was produced by Ruth? being united with Boaz, worship, and labor. Then there was a legacy that was permanent. Verse 17, we see the first mention of a name. The Bible says that the woman, her neighbors gave it a name, saying there's a son born Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. 
Now, if you want to underline a name in your Bible, you might want to underline David. You see, God's not done with David yet. You know what throne Jesus is going to sit on in the kingdom? The throne of David. And by the way, I mentioned it there or not. Did you know this past week there was another peace treaty signed between the Jews and between another one of those, I believe, I can't remember if it was the, I don't know, I can't even read, I can't, the names, I don't know how to say them, but there's three different sects of Islam, Muslims, that have signed these peace treaties. The U.S. Emirates or Arab Emirates, they're not U.S., but Arab Emirates, the uh, other ones, and then the other ones, you know, they all signed that peace. You look on, yeah, that bunch. You look on that flag, what's on that flag of Israel? The Star of David. And brother, Day, brother Larry, they did not know. She did not realize when she held this little baby. And how good was God to Naomi? <laughs> I believe when she held that little baby, I believe, she, and I know this song went right back there, but maybe it was. I believe she was thinking, it's been worth every mile. It's been worth every trial. It's been worth every battle that we fought. I believe she's saying, oh, I'm glad I didn't give up on God. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't give up and get mad and get bitter and stay bitter. Stay bitter and stay in I'm so glad that when the messenger come and said, there's bread, God has visited his people. I'm so glad I got up and got out of Moab. And you see the devil will tell you if you backslide on God, there's no, nothing for you to go back to. He'll say, oh, they don't want you at the church. They don't need you at the church. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't care about you at the church. But when she got back, she listened in just a, in just a short time. She's holding a baby. Now remember in chapter number one, when, when she tried to talk Ruth and, o, and Orpah into going back, she said, how am I going to raise, how are you going to have children? I'm an old woman. How am I going to raise it? How am I going to, are you going to wait for me to have another son and marry him? Are you really going to do that? I'm a, I'm a woman of old age. She couldn't figure it out. But aren't you glad God's ways are better than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts? She couldn't see it, but she didn't realize when she packed her bags and said goodbye to the world and she took that little Moabite under her arm. She did not realize that little Moabitess girl was going to become in the line of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ and in the millennial reign old Ruth and old Naomi are going to stand before the throne of David and realize they had a part in it all and that is the grace of God